Hey guys, it's Dr. Casperson coming to you from Washington State. Really excited today about a podcast about how physical therapy helps pelvic pain and specifically sexual pain issues. I'm talking today with a personal friend, Amanda Nayfield, who is a physical therapist who specializes in pelvic pain. Uh, she's a certified clinical women's health specialist and owner of Connect Northwest Physical Therapy and Wellness in Bellingham, Washington. Uh, she's got a great social media account. She in, Her Instagram is at Connect NWPT. And she does lots of great videos on free information on the, her Instagram account, so check that out. She received her doctorate in physical therapy at the University of Montana, and she developed a special interest in pelvic health and completed continuing education courses and mentorship in pelvic floor dysfunction before graduating. Right out of school, she focused her private uh, practice in pelvic health and earned her board certification as a woman's health clinical specialist through the American Board of Physical Therapy Specialties in 2016. Uh, even though she focuses on pelvic health, she has training in manual therapy and treats a variety of orthopedic concerns, including dysfunction of the spine, pelvis, hip, and extremities. And all of those things can cause pain with sexual intercourse too. So sometimes we'll see like labral tears of the hip be the reason that people have pain with sex. So the body is complicated and, you know, as they say, the hip bone's connected to the knee bone. Um, so anyways, I digress. While treating any condition, Amanda utilizes a holistic assessment and treatment approach by looking at the body as a whole to determine all the factors contributing to an individual's main concern. So super excited to have Amanda on today uh, and to have her in my town as a, both a colleague and a friend. I hope you enjoy. So how did you get into pelvic floor physical therapy? Well, uh, women's health was an elective course, um, so not everyone got it, but I chose to take women's health. And I think at the time I didn't have a good understanding of what women's health PT was. In fact, I don't even know if I knew what incontinence was or any of those um, women or pelvic health conditions. Um, and the course was largely focused on more like orthopedic concerns for pregnant women and postpartum. So like pelvic girdle pain, low back pain, those kind of things. But she did address um, incontinence and some basic uh, pelvic floor dysfunction. We didn't do any internal work or anything at the time, but I think that course really opened my eyes to the fact that this was um, kind of a big concern for a lot of people and not enough people were addressing it um, in physical therapy. So it just sort of sparked an interest in me. And um, I think I was a second year at that point and I was going into my third year and I really wanted to do um, my last clinical. I wanted it to be with a women's health provider, at least part of it. And so in order, I, I did a lot of research at that time and um, realized that if I really wanted to do that, I needed to take some continuing education courses because there just wasn't enough offered um, through my program to make me competent or feel good about going into a women's health clinical. So I ended up taking um, pelvic floor one and pelvic floor two through the Herman and Wallace Pelvic Institute um, during my third year of PT school. And that allowed me to do part of my um final clinical internship with a women's health provider. Um, and part of it was an orthopedic and part of it was women's health. So um, once I did that, I just, it just continued to spark my interest. And I realized that um, pelvic health, physical therapy is, um, has a lot in it. Um, so it's a lot of orthopedic stuff, but there's also so much that goes into pelvic health and it's not just women, it's men and kids. And so there's just so much to learn. And I just kept going with that. Very cool. Um, do you have like a, a, a specific memorable like success story as far as 
sexual health goes that really, really clicked for you? Like, wow, physical therapy really helps people. Man, so many of them. That's part of why I love what I do is that um, I think physical therapy for pelvic floor dysfunction and sexual health is really effective. So it's really cool to um, be a player in that. In that, um, But somebody that comes to mind is somebody that I'm actually treating currently and I have been treating kind of off and on for about a year. Um, she originally came to me more for symptoms related to her endometriosis. So kind of chronic abdominal pain, um, constipation, pain with defecation, those sort of symptoms. And at the time she, she was not sexually active when I first started um, seeing her, which was probably over a year ago now. Um, But during the time that we were working together, she um, got married and attempted to have penetrative intercourse with her husband and was not able to do so. She had a lot of pelvic floor or pelvic pain um, with attempt at penetration. So um, at that point in our treatment together, when we were working together at that point, we kind of shifted our focus um, towards the goal of her being able to have penetrative intercourse with her husband. And um, we were working on pelvic floor stuff all along because we were trying to address some of her other symptoms, but we just sort of shifted the goal to make it Um, more for penetrative intercourse. And throughout the time of us working together, she was able to have pain-free penetration. And not only was it not painful, but she actually um, was able to have an orgasm and was enjoying intercourse. And since then she has gotten pregnant and had a baby. And so now I'm currently working with her again, just postpartum for postpartum recovery. So it's been really cool to um, kind of see her through that whole process. That's so cool. That's like full circle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. You named her baby Amanda. That happening. And so I spend a lot of time asking questions and a lot of time letting the patient tell me what they think is relevant. Um, and then we spend a ton of time making goals because I think um, having the patient tell me what their goals are and what they think is important is um, a huge part of um physical therapy treatment. And, uh, so I spend a lot of time asking them, what are your goals? What do you want to get out of this? And then we do a fair amount of education on anatomy. Like here is your pelvic floor. Here's your vulva here. Um, are the things that I as a physical therapist, um, am attempting to address. And this is why. So there's a lot of education, um, and talking in the first visit. Uh, I'm lucky because I do hour long visits. So sometimes I spend about 30 to 45 minutes on that portion. And if there's enough time in the end, we might do a quick pelvic assessment. um, If someone's feeling really comfortable with that and wants to move forward with that. Otherwise I talk a lot about what a pelvic floor assessment entails and what different options there may be if they're not comfortable with that. And we make a plan moving forward um, and just kind of talk about what our treatment options are. I think for a lot of people, the most people don't know that there are muscles in the pelvis, let alone that there are muscles that can be dysfunctional or cause or be the source of the pain. So how do you get people, you know, as, as far as education, but then saying like, why assessing the pelvic floor is important? Yeah. Um, I, so I usually use the analogy of like, there's no other part of our body. Like when we, when we're talking about treatment or assessment or physical therapy in general, there's not another part of the body that we would just blindly give someone exercises without assessing. 
first, right? Like I'm not going to give everybody who has knee pains a hundred quad sets a day for the rest of their lives. That's not appropriate because knee pain can be caused by a lot of different things or, you know, shoulder pain, like what's going on in the shoulder. Do you have, you know, a torn muscle? Do you have bursitis? Do you have tendonitis? Like, is there a positional fault? Like you have to look and assess and see what's going on before you can implement the correct treatment. And the pelvic floor is no different. There can be a lot of different reasons for various issues. There can be a lot of different reasons for pain. There can be a lot of different reasons for leaking. Um, you know, I think generally speaking, people believe that most pelvic floor dysfunction is treated by strengthening the muscles or contracting the muscles or doing Kegels. And um, I think if we prescribe Kegels without assessing, we could actually be doing more harm than good. So if someone has um, pelvic floor muscles that are kind of in a holding pattern or overactive, and we're telling them to continue to activate and contract those muscles, they might be exacerbating their pain or making their leaking or sense of urgency worse. So um, just like any other part of the body, it's really important to directly assess the muscles, the musculoskeletal system and figure out exactly what their um, dysfunction is. Is it weakness? Is it endurance? Is it myofascial pain? Is, does the pelvic floor as a whole look actually really great? And if it does, then what else is driving that? Maybe we need to look more at the hip or the pelvis. And so I think um, direct assessment is really important. And I think direct assessment, a digital exam, so meaning um, internally with a finger is um, the most accurate and the easiest way to get the most information. And there are also other assessment tools like we have biofeedback available for um, people who are uncomfortable with that, or sometimes I use that with my pediatric patients. Um, and while I don't think it's as accurate, it's definitely another tool that we have to help with assessment as well. How would you say that, how are physical therapy exams different from an exam that you might get in, a, in an MD or a doctor's office? Well, um, our goals are different, right? So my, as my goal as a physical therapist is to look at the musculoskeletal system and how that's contributing to the overall um, problem that the patient is having. Um, for you or for other doctors, I think the goal is to uh, oftentimes like rule out infection or check out the tissue or taking swabs or samples and um, uh, often use a speculum. And from, my from a physical therapy perspective, we're not we're trained to um, look at the tissue and say this is or this is not a physical therapy problem, and we can definitely refer out if we feel like there might be an infection that needs to be ruled out or some other thing going on. But our goals are a little bit different. We're looking at the muscles and the, the structure and how it all fits in with the rest of your body. How well are you moving? And um, so we don't use a speculum. So that's one big difference. We're not taking any specimens, which is another, you know, we're not doing any swabbing or any culturing. Um, we're basically looking at how well your muscles function um, and what we can do to help with that. That's great. Yeah. I think that's really important for people to realize like one pelvic exam does not equal all pelvic exams, you know, for, yeah. for practice, I don't do speculums. I don't do pap smears and I do a lot more, you know, muscle because, because I know about that. And how mm -hmm. to remember, whereas I think a lot of doctors wouldn't palpate muscles or look mm -hmm. at specifically the the tissues. So yeah, they're all different. Everybody's got their different expertise. Yeah, um, and I think I always tell patients that too. I think sometimes they come in um, 
fearful because they've had a speculant, they've had, let's say, a pap smear recently and it's been really painful. Um, and I always tell people that like what I do, sometimes I do do internal work, but I only do that when it's appropriate and it's the right timing. Like my goal, if someone is having pain, my goal is to stop the pain cycle. So I'm not going to go in and say like a lot of times they have the attitude of like, just do whatever you need to do and get it over with. Like I'm, I wanted this fixed yesterday. Yep. So I always say like, this isn't like an exam. Like we're not culturing anything. Like this is something that we work towards and this is our goal. And if it's painful, then we back off and we choose something different for that day. If that makes sense. So trying to like their past experiences with pelvics exams and how that's different than what I'm going to be doing with them. Mm -hmm. How do you counsel people when, you know, they do want this problem taken care of yesterday or just (laughs) visit as far as like, how, how often do I have to be here? How long is this going to take? How do you individualize that for people? Yeah, that's, um, that's really interesting because I think um, in general, in the PT world, people have gotten really used to having like six visits. Like that's, you do six physical therapy visits and all of a sudden you're better. And I think that that's really been dictated by insurance companies over time. Like that's kind of how much they allow. And, you know, a lot of plans allow more, but after six visits, you need to, you know, show how it's medical, medically necessary. And so I think people come in with the expectation of like four to six times and things are going to be medically better. Um, But as you said, it's very individual and it totally depends on, Um, what is going on with the person, first of all, and how long they've been having the problem. So I keep using pain as an example. And of course, that's not the only thing that we treat, but it's a good example of, you know, if someone's been dealing with um, pretty persistent, like vulvar burning or pain, and they can't sit down and they have pain when they have bowel movements and they're, um, that's a pretty, like, that's not going to be a six visit type of thing. That might be you know, maybe we start with weekly visits for six weeks and really get them going and making some progress. And then we, we maybe spread out visits over the course of time, but I've treated people off and on for a year or sometimes kind of depending on what they're struggling with, they might just need some check-ins with wellness care for a while, you know, for as long as they feel like they need that. So I think it just totally depends. Um, I've also had, um, some clients who come in and really just need one or two visits, some education and some training on like, how do you functionally use these muscles to provide support to prevent you from leaking during these specific situations and how can you strengthen the muscles? And so maybe one or two visits and they're feeling like they're they're fine and they've met their goals. So it totally depends on the person and what they're struggling with. Very cool. Can you, can you talk about your expertise? You've kind of become the expert in postpartum pelvic rehab Can you talk about that specifically in regards to regaining normal sexual function? Well, when, um, when women come to me in the perimenopausal, um, years and they say like, well, it all started at this point. The first thing I think is like hormones. And then I usually send them to you or someone else who can help them, someone who's comfortable, um, assessing and prescribing hormones. But I feel like that's a large part for that population of people is having um, atrophy and dryness um, as a contributing factor to some of the discomfort that they're feeling and, and maybe lack of drive. Um, But from a, so I like having um, a team of people working, of course, and people who are comfortable prescribing some, some topical um, 
estrogen possibly, but uh, from a PT standpoint, teaching the, a lot of women come to me with a zero awareness of their pelvic floor in that area of their body. And that lack of awareness um, can also mean decreased sensation. Like sometimes people don't have very good awareness and they're not getting a good sensory um, input there. And so just teaching them how to use the muscles and practicing contract, relax, lengthen, um, even having them do some work with different um, sensory input using dilators or vibrators, those kind of things can really help um, kind of bring back some sensory stuff there. And, and then lubrication, of course, is super important if you're struggling with dryness. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. It's amazing how a little bit of education goes a really long way in yeah. helping people understand um, what to expect. Can you tell me about your sex after birth classes? I haven't ever had the opportunity to go to one. What happens in your sex after birth class? Yeah, it's cool. Um, so me, I co-host that workshop with a local sex therapist and, um, we just talk about sex after birth and how it can, I mean, we just talk about sex in general because I think people, when we're there, people tend to ask questions about sex in general, but um, sex after birth can be um, a tricky thing to navigate. And I think there's a lot of things that go into it. Um, And, you know, part of it is having like another child that's taking a lot of your time and energy and maybe not having um, the same desire that you had before birth. Some of it's the physical, like I actually have pain now after um, a vaginal delivery or a C-section, like how can I, um, what can I do to help with that? So I talk about that. Then there's kind of the emotional side of like, I have this new body and um, maybe a lot of women don't feel quite as sexy as they did before. And so we just kind of talk about it. Um, I talk largely about the physical side, like what can we do physically to help rehab our bodies to, um, decrease pain if we're feeling pain, um, maybe get back into exercise to help us gain some energy and improve our mood. And then, um, Elizabeth, who is the sex therapist that I co-host it with, she often will address more of the, um, the psychology around sex and what, what can be happening after, after we have kids. Um, yeah, it's really great. It's actually the, that we always have a pretty good turnout and people are really, really engaged. You guys do that in like a one hour session, a two hour, like, um, I would say it lasts long, more like two hours, uh, questions at the, I mean, we originally had it for like an hour and a half, but people get really engaged and want to know more and it's really cool. So we, we kind of do it in a two hour. Awesome. Well, fast forward like a decade or two or for some people, you know, three years. Now let's talk about perimenopause, postmenopause. So I see a lot of that age group and maybe they haven't had sex or intimacy for a while. And now they're kind of, they're coming head on with low hormones and then a pelvis that hasn't had sexual activity in a Mm -hmm. while. Tell me about the, the, your work and working with that sometimes challenging population. Mm -hmm. Um, well, you always meet the person where they're at, right? So if they, um, let's say they come and they're like, I haven't had penetrative intercourse for years. I attempted and like the second he tried to insert, it just was so painful. I couldn't even go there. Um, then maybe we start with 
you know, like maybe we just start with doing things that what I encourage patients to do is to stop the pain cycle. So we don't want to just say like, well, it's okay if it's painful, try it anyway, or let's get dilators and just start stretching and see how that, that goes. I think, um, really starting with pain free touch, um, in the area and really exploring things that are positive and things that feel good or pleasurable is, um, a good place to start. And that might mean like external work only, or maybe I have people even just start with, why don't you ask for a massage and have some intimacy that way and let your body relax into that. And then maybe we move into let's, let's get you a set of dilators and you can use the dilators yourself. You're kind of in control and I'll provide some guidance on that. Like how do you use the dilators in a way where the intention is not to stretch, but the intention is to allow your nervous system and your body to relax around some form of penetration that's not painful and that's safe. And so maybe, and again, they might start with just some external work and just say, okay, like this is safe, this feels good, um, I'm not in pain, and then they move to the next step and maybe do a little insertion with a finger or a small dilator and start with static placement. Okay, the static placement feels okay, um, my body's relaxed. I can, my pelvic floor isn't reacting. Um, I can try some movement now. Oh, that feels okay. Like now I'm going to go a little bit deeper. And so we just guide them through that progression until their, their bodies, um, and their nervous system can kind of relax and accommodate, um, penetration. And that can take, I've had people work through that pretty quickly. And I've had people who've taken months to kind of work through that, but ultimately have been able to have pain-free penetration. Amazing. Yeah. I always think of when I see these people, I always talk about the three-legged stool and the three-legged stool for me is me, physical therapy and sex therapy. Mm -hmm. For me, it's the hormones, the skin, you know, making sure that all the other pelvic floor stuff's addressed and then, you know, pelvic non-muscle floor is addressed. And then for you guys, it's the pelvic floor, getting those muscles used to touch, used to stretch, used to exercise. And then the, the sex therapist, as far as talking about what does intimacy look like at this point in our life or this point in our relationship, especially if we haven't had it for a while and the way that we knew that we used to have it isn't working anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think too, I do a lot of like, and I've learned this from, um, this Elizabeth, the sex therapist that I, I um, do my workshop with, but just talking to people about um, what we think about as being sex. Like it, it doesn't, to have intimate moments with your partner and pleasure doesn't mean you have to have penetrative intercourse. So kind of reframing our thoughts around that and, and penetrative intercourse is still a goal for a lot of people and that's fine. But also just talking about like, there's a lot of emotion wrapped up in that when they feel like this is something that's supposed to feel good and it doesn't feel good to me and it's painful and I feel bad for my partner because, you know, there's all that emotional like overlay contributing, I think, to the fear and um, the pain cycle. And so when we can address that, like, well, let's like reframe our thoughts around that and maybe um, redefine what sex and intimacy is, then that just alone can really relieve some stress and in turn decreases the pain a little bit too sometimes. So I think addressing, like you said, all three of those, but um, the emotional side and, and having the sex therapist on board is also really helpful. And I do 
I like to refer people out as much as I can, but as you know, they, they book up pretty fast. I train a little bit of the education as much as I can. I mean, we're, we're lucky in our town that we have as many sex therapists as we do. I know in a lot of the country, a lot of mm-hmm. people are even as, as lucky as we are in finding a, a, tr- a person who's trained and comfortable talking about those things. Yeah. And I feel like it's really lacking in our education too. Like I didn't, I mean, I don't think in all of my years of school, we didn't really talk about that or how to, you know, how to counsel people through that or talk through that or so I've learned a lot just by being around those people in our community. And that's really helped me in my practice, I think, and just being able to guide people that way. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Uh, let's talk for a brief step but while we're wrapping it up. Let's not neglect the men. So oh, yeah. people who are uh, penis-bearing individuals uh, or are um, identified as men or have penises that maybe used to work and don't, or maybe it's not erectile dysfunction, but it's pain, pain with ejaculation or just pain in sexual organs. I guess it becomes a big topic once we start exploring that all. But tell me about um, physical therapy for pain in men. Yeah. um, So I would say that, so I have seen some of the like pain just with ejaculation. Um, More frequently, I see testicular pain or penile pain that's kind of persistent that flares up with certain activities. Um, Or the other common thing I see is um, rectal pain, like spasms, the spasm in the rectum. And um, they, a lot of times, if we're talking about just general testicular or penile pain, what I find is that it's often coming from the lumbar spine. So, um, the genitofemoral and iliohypogastric and ilioinguinal nerve all come down from that lower thoracic upper lumbar area, and they travel through the inguinal ligament down to the genital area. And so when, I, when I'm talking to a patient about the, that kind of pain, I'm always screening out the lumbar spine or, you know, there's a possibility of a hernia, an inguinal hernia may be contributing to that. Um, and so that's my, in my clinical experience, I see more often than not that it's more of an orthopedic issue. If someone's having pain just upon, um, ejaculation or maybe rectal spasms, um, that to me indicates more of a pelvic floor dysfunction, more of a pelvic floor spasm or overactivity. And so, uh, I treat them just the same as I would a, a woman or, a uh, a person who, has a vagina um, and a vulva. And we, except for, instead of doing intravaginal um, assessment, we do interactive assessment. We all do all external um, palpation and uh, checking out all the superficial muscles on the outside. And then if we need to, we will do the interactive and do more of an internal assessment that way. Awesome. Is there anything I missed? Any questions or anything you want want, uh, our listeners to know? No, other than I think the timing of this is great, given all of the um, COVID-19 stuff. I like uh, like getting the information out. Um, and I also, I guess I do want people to know that it sounds like, I think we, I make it sound like we do all this hands-on stuff and all this manual work, which is true. But there is, like you said earlier, there's a lot you can do just by educating people and like giving them tools and empowering them to do some of this stuff at home. So um podcasts and social media 
um, and telehealth are all really great uh, resources for people right now while they're stuck at home. So if people are struggling with uh, sexual dysfunction or pelvic pain, like we're doing telehealth, I'm going to try and be doing a lot more online stuff um, about these these things so that people have some tools that they can use while they're stuck at home, not working and have extra time on their hands. Totally. Oh, can you give me your Instagram handle? Do you have that off? Yeah, um, it's Connect NWPT. So Connect Northwest PT. Um, Amanda does amazing videos. Yeah, I haven't posted one in a while, but I'm hoping I'm hoping to get my um, my online presence boosted a little bit during this time. It's a, I think it's a good time for a lot of us. We have a, you know, it's kind of a quieter season right now. Uh-huh. With COVID. Yeah. And it's been really cool. I mean, I have been, I actually treated, treated someone. I worked with someone. I don't like saying treated because really I'm just working with people. I did have someone yesterday who um, was struggling with, she was having pelvic pain um, from the very first time she's tried to have intercourse with her husband. And we did a really good session on like, different pelvic opening stretches that she could do. I helped her find some dilators that she could purchase. We talked about initiating some dilator therapy at home. So um, if you can't leave your house right now, that doesn't mean that you have to wait until you can. There's a lot that you can do on your own when you guys are home. So if you need some guidance from that, reach out. Totally. Yeah. That's super empowering too. It's like, you don't have to wait. The time is now. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks for spending time with me today and talking about what you do, you're clearly passionate about it and know a lot. And I think, uh, I think my people are going to get a lot out of this. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Bye-bye.